This is The Shift Podcast. Today on The Shift Daily Podcast, Russia just narrowly avoided a coup or an insurrection or whatever you want to call it. And Ukrainians have thoughts about that. Democracy advocate Mikhail Zernikov is live in Kyiv. He's a former judge. And he gives us his reaction to the attempted Russian insurrection and tells us how it could impact the war in Ukraine, plus the overall politics of what's going on. We know hackers can get into our phones and our computers, but how about our cars? Hank the Hacker helps us understand a fresh dose of cyber safety tips and tells us why we can be smarter with how we keep our keys and they become easier to hack when we don't pay attention to where our keys go. Are you okay with The Price is Right? Breaking news and more. All of this on the Shift Daily Podcast. This is the Shift Podcast. It was an amazing weekend this weekend to watch history unfold again. Um, and I would say most of the world watched and went, what is happening? And at the same time, an awful lot of the world was watching going, it's about time. And it was, it was kind of wild. We shared it briefly, the Coles Notes version for you. There was a, a Russian mercenary paid soldier who owns a company that does mercenary work around the world, does tons of work in Africa. He's been in Ukraine for a long time, fighting some big fights in Ukraine. He's been very vocal on social media about saying that he doesn't have armament, he doesn't have all these things. Nobody really knows what he's up to because the bluster of social media comments and everything that that comes from this guy, he's always politicking. Then all of a sudden, there was a they claim a bomb went off that Russians bombed them, these Russian mercenaries. They turned their tanks around, if you will. That's very simplistic, but it works. And they said, we're going to Moscow. We're going to change the way the military works, and off we go. It started, and Putin called him a traitor. By the time it was done, it was like, nah, he's cool. He's going to Belarus. There was helicopters shot down. There was celebrations in the streets. It was the most wild bunch of hours that I've seen unfold in a long time. Now, we thought we watched it closely. Nay, nay, my friends. Uh, in Kiev, they were watching it very, very closely. And I don't want to make jokes about it because it is war. But I imagine Mikhailo with a bowl of popcorn. I can, yes. Yeah. <laughs> with a bowl of popcorn watching this unfold on the news going, oh, my God, it's actually happening. People are waking up. And uh, Mikhailo Zernikov joins us here from Kiev, Ukraine. Um, welcome back to The Shift. Tell me what went through your mind when you saw this starting to unfold. Yeah, thanks, Shane. That this is really uh, this was uh, wild, and uh, unfortunately, yes, we 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 all think that this should have gone like should be should have been more of it. It, it just ended as abruptly as it started. Um, but again, that showed a lot of a lot of different things. Well, that that Russia essentially is a failed state because a bunch of mercenaries with uh, with a bunch of weapons can can go and dictate. Um, whatever to, to, to whoever that Putin is not a, you know, is not all powerful. He, he basically, uh, like you said, yeah, he, he said that, that he's a traitor, that he, you know, will be stopped and he will be. And then the, the, the criminal case was opened, like, and, and, and everything was open. And then suddenly, absolutely, absolutely right. He said, like, oh no, he's cool. So it means that he, they negotiated and he turned around, uh, this Prigozhin guy. Um, of course, he's not a liberator. He's not. A, he's. He's even 
Some say more of a maniac than Putin is. So they're not, I mean, I, I wouldn't compare really. It's just, it was, it was heartwarming to see that, you know, that, that, the uh, these guys, that the things are, are breaking down in Russia and they will. I think it's not the last time, um, that, that something like this happens because everybody saw that Putin can be manipulated like this, that he's not all powerful, that he basically backs down when he is, uh, um, um, when he faces, um, force. And that that's the well the way to deal with him because obviously as you can see appeasing the dictator doesn't help uh, never helps if we look at the World War II if we look now at Russia you know what what happened in Chechnya in, in Syria and in in Georgia in in Ukraine in Crimea in 2014 and not only in Crimea uh, what what doesn't work and what what really works because when you have what 25,000 uh, troops with some weapons and with you know. With dedication, then suddenly, you know, you, you, you can, you can put yourself in a situation where Putin backs down. There you go. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I think it became evident. Um, I'm not a political scientist by any means or a foreign affairs expert, but it hmm. became very apparent that well, I'm a capitalist. So I, 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 I subscribe to the notion that, you know, we all can go out and make money. So I guess this kind of makes sense, this perspective that, um, this guy buys his way out of everything. That's just really what it boils down to is that that's what he buys what he wants and he steals money to do it. And then he buys his way out of trouble. And I have no evidence to back that up. I'm just saying that that's what it, how it occurs to me when I watch this happen. And it did seem to happen quickly. I said to my dad on Friday, I said, this Prigozhin guy is going to be dead in two weeks. And my dad said mm -hmm. to me, he said, well, Russia needs him too much. It's going to be the, the military, uh, leader guy, uh, what's his name? It begins with an S. Um, the, he, uh, that he mm -hmm. believed it was going to be them. But now the question is, is like, where do these people go and what happens next? Right. What do they get paid? And they, they go back to Ukraine and there must be that, that, that must sit with Ukrainians differently because there is an element of where do they go? How much do they get paid? And if anything, and are they going to come mm -hmm. back and be angrier? embarrassed or is putin going to try to throw more at ukraine just because of the fact that he you know he got embarrassed i mean the the news to the point where i was even suspicious that it was talking points in across the world in the news about the embarrassment that is for putin i was like whoa like this is the same narrative everywhere but it seems to just be the case that you know it, Kind of like the uh, sometimes the the family dog pays the price. I feel like the, um, the there's the possibility of repercussions in that Putin's going to try to prove a point now, and 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 Ukraine could be, you know, he could try to use you guys as the punching bag. Yeah, how? I mean, well, it's you know, all in all, of course, all the atrocities that are happening, are, you know, are still happening. Unfortunately, I'm not 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 to say that you know, um, but how much how much worse it can get i mean like everybody's freaking out of course because of the nuclear weapons and everything but uh, again i don't i don't, just don't see the point for putin doing this right now mm -hmm. um other than that i mean that they, they've tried they've been trying for one and a half years if we're talking battlefield if we're talking conventional we weapons then we'll, they already went through like several waves of mobilization and everything and uh, still they, they didn't gain quite 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 much now with all the kinjal missiles now we're shooting them with patriots i mean they're still it's still hard there's still you know wars going on but like 
it's not that he oh he there was a demo version now he's gonna get serious with Ukraine. No, how much how much more serious do you think he's gonna get? So I mean that's now we, we don't I don't see it in a discourse here. It's just you know the, it's the full scale war is already going on for one and a half years. And as for again as for Russia, uh, yeah, it, it just shows well buying things out. Thing is. Um, everything, the power structures are built on, again, sorry, on power in, in, in Russia, not, not on money. Like whoever has more military power, whoever's like the top, uh, dog, he is like the boss. He is, he, he rules. He's the Tsar. Uh, well, it's not like that anymore in Russia. It, it, you know, this, this thing showed that, uh, because other, I mean, it should have been for, for power to consolidate in Russia. Or to, to put him to show up to everybody that he's, you know, you can't buy your things out of trouble. You're, you're not a tsar. You're very different words than you're called very different words. If you, if you're buying your things out of trouble, if you're not putting, so to say, mm-hmm. uh, people in their place, if they're, if they do things to you. So that's, I mean, that, that definitely changed a lot in Russia and, and a lot of things are changing. What will happen and how that we don't know. But what we should do is we, we should absolutely have as a collective West. We should have a policy towards Russia. What is the future of Russia? Because that's that's a question that everybody's avoiding. It's it's oh, too scary or like oh too, because I mean again, the, the, what happens to Russia is a part of the post-war um, stable peace deal. Um, you cannot have a, a stable peace without understanding what will happen to Russia and without um, choosing the the scenario that is most most um um suitable for you and working towards it mm-hmm. otherwise you know you're, you're you're doomed to to be in a part like a not a pawn in somebody's game but to a certain extent you you're, you're doomed to like being a part of somebody else's uh picture of the future yeah there's two things that come to mind for me there is that uh you, one in particular is that we've talked about this in other war zones before the vacuum right? That happens. The political Mm -hmm. vacuum is that when you take away one bad guy, there's always another bad guy sitting waiting in the wings, ready to fill the vacuum and fill the void. And so if that's the case, I mean, well, I think what we saw evidence this weekend was that there is a long list of, of very, like you, to use your words, very powerful people that have the might to be able, the military might, to try to fill that void. Now, some of them um, could be very nationalistic, and, and some of them could be, you know, trying to rebuild the former USSR, and some of them just might take Russia as Russia and move along. I guess you never know who that person might be from their political views, that's for sure. But it is a good reminder that taking away, to your point about what does this look like when it's done, taking away one leader doesn't mean the problem even goes away. Absolutely not. I mean, the, the, so far, the, the, what we could call Russia policy in, in the collective West. I mean, in, 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 in the U.S., in, in, I'm, I'm not sure about Canada. We don't hear that much, but definitely in the U.S., uh, in the EU, it's, oh, when it's not Putin, Russia will be better. Russia will be, de- Russia will be democratic. No, it won't. You can see now how it won't. It's, it's to have democracy, you have to have Democrats. There's, there's almost none in Russia. That's, that's to begin with. Then if you look at the sociology, if you open, <clears throat> if you, if you do, uh, open elections, fair elections now in Russia, real Nazis win. Yeah. That's what, that's what they demand for. Because there, I mean, I mean, for decades there have been 
brainwashed and whatever whatever the reasons the, the real demand of the people is this so um and of course you know open elections will not happen in russia in the next day so you you gotta have the policy you gotta have you, you gotta see the data you gotta understand what is happening because i mean when it falls when it disintegrates and it will very abruptly like the vertical integrated structures do then we will face oh and then everybody will go oh we did not predict that no it's 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 a lot of people who do predict this this right now and and the the consequences may be really uh, bad for everybody around including the you know the the, the refugees and the you know the, the nuclear arsenal question and many many others so uh, we we got to be prepared we got to look at it and it's it's not like you know if i don't look at it it maybe it goes away no it won't well, and, and that lends to that notion, I think, as we try to understand more about the Ukrainian mentality of why getting this taken care of completely is uh, is the only answer, and negotiating this or negotiating that that we can't really um, we can't really uh, you know it just doesn't solve anything, right? It's just going to extend the problem. It's kind of like Crimea from ten years ago. I mean, all it did was really just sort of kick. We would say in English, kick the can down the hill. And delay the problem go. until later, right? And I mean that that seems or, to be yeah. evident, right? Oh, it's very you know it's very reminiscent to us of uh, you, you know uh, infamous uh, Bush's senior's uh, chicken Kiev speech when he came back in ninety came to Kiev in nineteen ninety trying to convince us to not he called it um, suicidal nationalism or something like this to not leave the Soviet Union. It's the same idea that, you know, it's, oh, it's easier this way. It's not ideal. It's, you know, it's bad. It's a rival, but it's kind of a frenemy at the same time. You know, it's easier to deal with one guy or with one country rather than 25 others. It's all the nuclear arsenals and everything. And the Soviet Union did collapse anyway. Yeah. And you have to deal with all of this. Now, I mean, it will be as peaceful when Russia disintegrates and it believe me it will it's the same center it's the same power structure it's the same uh you know what do you call it colossus on clay legs and everything it's the it's the, it's the same it's just smaller now it's called russian federation not the soviet union but it's the same dynamic it's the same problems and we gotta be prepared this time and not just hope and 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 try to at expense of all the other nations and all the other peoples who want to be independent uh try to keep uh you know alive what is that does it change your view at all? I was curious about this, Mikhailo, joining us from Kiev. Now, when Prokhorjian was going towards Moscow or whatever it was, um, he was met with an awful lot of hugs and support when they said, we are going to Moscow to change this. Uh, please don't intervene. That's basically what they said. And he was met yeah. with cheering people along the side of the road. I know that in a lot of our conversations, you and, you know, fellow countrymen have sort of just thrown Russians into one bucket. Um, but does that, um, reassure you to see that how many of the working class people in Russia, you know, maybe, I mean, how poor some of those communities are and to see them to be so inspired by this military guy rolling in saying, we're going to change things. Um, maybe some true colors of the people started to show as well and so i was curious how that part landed as ukrainian what did you see there well we weren't surprised to be honest i mean we also honestly we would see we would like to see more fighting than like several jets and 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 the helicopters it's a good we call it a good demo version of of the you know coup, uh, coup and and civil war in russia 
you know, if you want to, if you want a full version, donate, donate more to Ukrainian armed forces. That's one of the means. Um, anyway, um, what it showed was that a Russians do not really care who to cheer, uh, as long as they have a lot of power and can, you know, dominate you. Uh, maybe there were, you know, this part of it that is dissatisfied with the central government right now and supports whoever is against the central government or shows that this shows that they're against, but, um, they don't ask themselves whether these guys are better or worse. In our view, I mean, there's not much difference, but definitely, uh, if I were a democratic Russian citizen, I wouldn't see a literal bunch of criminals because that's where, you know, prisons is where they, this mercenaries, a majority of them came from. Uh, take, trying to take power in Russia and, and cheer and, and do nothing and, and be happy about it. Mm -hmm. So that means that, you know, um, the vast majority of Russians and, and yeah, that they can take a million city just like this with, with no, um, opposition, with no, um, you know, the, the police, the, the, the revered FSB, the, the, a lot of other things, they just didn't do anything about it. So. Yeah, that shows a lot of things, and it shows that you know there's there's uh, uh, all these hopes for democratic Russia. I don't know how down the if we play our cards well, how many decades down the line is that possible? I mean, it's not it's there's nothing almost nothing democratic there um, at this moment, and mm -hmm. that's that's what it shows. Well, yeah, and then how do you create that when you have a country that has been so closed off to even the notion of what that democracy go, looks yeah. like, right? And and I was I was thinking the same thing, Mikhailo. I was like, like this this is so evident of the generations deep issue that is mm -hmm. there. And if anything, what the Ukraine um, you know situation when Russia invaded Ukraine has has evidenced is that as Western businesses withdrew because that was the right thing to do. Um, it also isolated that message even more, right? So for the last year and a bit, there's been less democracy conversation or at least capital, open free capital market conversation in Russia than ever before. So, you know, it's uh, it's an interesting, long, really long scenario to fix this, uh, which is not encouraging when you're looking at the fact that your country is, you know, fighting uh, a war to, to stave off an invasion yeah um well with, with the brands living in russia it's yes and no because some of them didn't you know this one of the one of the really most popular videos shows that the explosion is one of the russian cities um you know um from a window where you where you see the uh you know the the, the warehouses i think of of Merlin, like one of the one of the um, supermarkets, like or hypermarkets, whatever it is, um, and it's French, I think. So there's a lot of, and it was also kind of ironic. So there's a lot of brands who didn't leave Russia, yeah. who, but it's that's another um, some difficult conversation. Anyway, um, yeah, um, there's not again, there's not much democracy in Russia, and you can't you can't convince them to have democracy, and you can't hope that there will be democracy. You have to do things now to start democratic movements and that's by the way that lies with the with the national movements inside of what is now russian federation a lot of them have many of them are occupied there's like a hundred plus peoples who are occupied by russia right now what is inside russian federation do you, do you think it it it's you know quadrupled i don't know 10 times it grew 10 times in size since uh, i don't know a couple hundred years ago just by itself no 
there was just the Russians occupying those territories. That's literally what happened. And there's a lot of peoples who are uh, right now who feel oppressed, who who still have national identity, who still want who still want to exercise their rights to, um, you know, to self-define, but uh, just held by this uh, uh, military power and and, and oppression. And and uh, yeah, that's that's definitely one way to go. But I don't want to, you know, I don't want to get like really. Um, deep into 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 policy right now yeah but yeah again we have we have to have russia policy yeah well and it's become evident and at the risk of um making light of a very dangerous situation as the world watched it unfold it was like watching a movie this weekend it really was and at to the point we're at based on that i would say to be continued because there's more to come I do think so. I don't, don't take me wrong. I mean, like we, we um, of, co- of course, we'd like to see they, them fight each other just because, you know, the main re- reason is they are not fighting us at this moment if, if they're they're busy with their own things. Yeah. And that's essentially what we want to see. Of course, we don't want to, you know, see, uh, uh, again, I don't want to go deep in, in, in into that. Um, let, let's put it this way. I do think there's more to come. I do think it's just the beginning. I do think, again, we have to be prepared for different scenarios in Russia. And I think that consolidated anything in Russia in the next, uh, in the foreseeable future, um, let alone consolidated democracy, is not one of those. So, again, we have to be prepared for for that. It's very well said. Mikhail Zarenkov joins us from Kiev, Ukraine. Thank you, sir. Great to see you. Thank you. Thank you, Shane. Thank you very much for doing this. This is the Shift Podcast. System breach. What just happened? Someone hacked me. It doesn't escape me that Hank, uh, your dad's band's name was Crowbar. Um, as we do this, <laughs> when we're talking about it breaking into things, which is really kind of funny and ironic. How are you doing, bud? I'm I'm doing good, and it, you know it's it's funny you say that. My students they used to ask me. They were like, "Do you, do you wear a crowbar necklace because you're a hacker and and you break into things?" And I was like, "No, it's actually." Uh, it's a necklace my dad made for his band Crowbar, but yeah, it couldn't be more fitting. It is really fitting, too. Now, our topic today is going to take us into hacking and cars, mostly. But before we get there, Hank, I wanted to bring up a couple of questions that received uh, on email. Lorraine sent a very simple email after listening and said, and this is a really great question, should I just reset my phone? And I thought that was quite interesting, right? Because that is how, thank you, Lorraine, for the email. It's the shift.ca if you want to send them in. It's interesting how people hear what is hacking, what is theft of information. And the, should I just reset my phone and restart it all because I might have screwed it up somehow? Uh, probably a decent idea to consider if you want to, but probably also not necessary I think that what I hear in that, Hank, is it speaks to the so many different levels of options that people have to change or change over time. They're afraid they've created a vulnerability for themselves. Where does that land for you? 
Oh man, well said. And, and, and again, what a, what a good question because, um, you know, when, again, I go back to my time working in cybersecurity, I used to actually wipe my computer and my phone every week, every single week. And, uh, everyone used to ask me like, why do you do that? It's so inconvenient. You're spending, you know, how many hours, uh, backing up your photos and making sure everything is backed up that you don't want to lose and then wiping your device. But in, in all reality, if, when it really boils down to it, wiping your device, if you have any kind of concern, or if you think like you've clicked on something or something might be acting up, wiping your device is the end all be all. If you wipe your device and there was uh, some malicious actor had infected it previously they're gone. Once you once you wipe the device, it's kind of like a fresh start. But um, and I like the way that you said, you know, there's so many options that we have presented to us. And that's something that, you know, we're, we're likely and I and I hope we see a little bit more of with uh, all these kind of diversification and in, in options for recovery, if you will. And uh, I'm looking at some social media platforms and thinking they should probably <laughs> improve their support methods for um, hacked accounts and, and whatnot. So when you say wipe your phone, let's just reset that into the most simplest of the language. And that includes, that would be reset your phone to basically like it's brand new out of the box. That also yeah. means that you cannot be using an image to reinstate your phone afterwards because that image is like a snapshot it's a map so if you do that if you had an image backup your phone or uh you know just if they call it like iphone icloud backup or whatever and then you reset to all your default settings on your phone but then you reinstalled that image if you will that backup it's going to turn all your settings back to what they were defeats the point correct yeah, yeah, and and that's a really really big thing to keep in mind especially for Apple users and 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 Android as well because you can take that backup from the cloud and actually install it to your phone. So if um and and it's very common for uh hackers to do something to make it so um you know after those steps are taken if you are using an old backup uh then they can still kind of persist it, if you will and so like you said, you know, a fresh install factory factory reset is, is usually the best bet. Now that does work particularly well in um, if you have cloud-based things that don't impact that, which would be calendars, contacts, emails, all of those things where you basically log in and all of your contacts come back, all of your calendar appointments come back, all of your emails come back do that on your Wi-Fi and it's no problem. But that would that would really be it, right? Because you don't want settings to to go back, correct? Yeah, you don't want to proliferate any kind of like potentially vulnerable settings that have been made. You don't want to bring in um, you know, old applications uh like if you had custom applications or anything especially um, if you're on an Android, if you're an Android user, uh like if you have Samsung or something like that, um, don't enable unknown sources. Uh, so sometimes you'll download an app and it'll open up a screen that says you have to enable unknown sources. And that's kind of the, the biggest no-no is uh, not to enable that, that unknown sources feature. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so there you go. I hope that answers that question. Yes, it will work. You have to be careful, though, as it does. Um, you can just recreate the same problem. I do suggest when you have your Gmail or whatever it is that you're using, you know, have your contacts get saved there which is a simple setting on your phone, and you can do that. Hank the Hacker is here. Cyber safety is the conversation. Hank, let's dig into the automobiles. Car thefts are up. Conversation here on The Shift for this week, too, about car thefts. Key fobs, wireless programming, reprogramming, tuning, you name it. Plug in your OBD2 reader, and all of a sudden, you can change the programming inside your car. There are seem to be a limitless list of ways to get into your car's programming and nobody has, seems to have much interest in uh, in stopping it you know i i immediately think of like the smarter our cars are getting the easier they're becoming to steal that's really it and like so with the key fob attack that that you're referencing to um this is something that it, it's kind of existed for over a year now but uh it it hasn't become well known until um you know certain countries have made the market much more available for these kind of gadgets or devices and uh so the relay tool uh, is something that you know to make it its most basic like they'll relay the signal from your key fob to your car so even if the key fob is inside of your house, they can relay the signal from that key, lo uh, key fob and make your car think that, you know, the key is right next to it. And so they can unlock and start the car. And, and there's just more and more of these things coming out. Like recently with uh, Ken Tyndall and Ian Tabor's research about can injection, um, you know, he's he's a, a vehicle digital forensic specialist and he comes out of his house one day and the front panel, the I guess the front right panel of, of his Toyota RAV4 was peeled away. And uh, he realized that it, it was a very intentional kind of action, like the damage was very intentional because there were tool marks and clippings and it looked like they had been trying to get to some wires so it was very evidently not someone just kind of side swiping his car um but they they later realized that he actually used um this is another device that's becoming more available on the market now but he used this thing that lo it looks like a jbl speaker like a little bluetooth speaker it looks totally innocent um, but what the criminals will do is they'll plug this speaker into the car and they'll trick the car into starting and and then they can they can de then drive it off and then program new keys to it and do whatever else they're doing. But uh, I, I think this also speaks well and and kind of shows us why these companies need to have vulnerability disclosure programs that are easier to navigate and aren't kind of barriered or barricaded by non-disclosure agreements and uh and secrecy if you will the the technology itself the wireless technology we did get asked a question about you know your your phone and that or excuse me your key fob and the beep beep for your car is it similar as you know, Wi-Fi networks, it, it, we hear about hacking into Wi-Fi networks. You've got to have the password to get into the thing, but 
at the same time, they seem to be able to do those relays, like you said, that makes your car think that you're doing it. Is that is are we that vulnerable in all of the places that these things are happening? You know, it's a it's a great comparison because both things are using radio frequency, right? And and both things are being manipulated through radio and um, passive keyless entry, which is the thing on your car that when you when you walk up to your car with your key, that's what kind of lets you open the door without having to put your keys in. That's been around since the 90s. And so, you know, people where before people could just um, record the signal from the key fob and play it again and, and access the car, um, manufacturers implemented rolling codes. And uh, then, you know, thieves kind of worked their way around that and they, they made the relay device so they could relay that, that signal. And, and a rolling code just means um, the code isn't the same every time. So if I copy the code, and I try and use it again in an hour from now, it's not going to work because the code's changed. Mm. Uh, so there's, they found their way around that, and then that's starting to be blocked by manufacturers. So they found their way around that with this CAN injection. And it just, you know, it, again, with the cat and mouse thing where, you know, they they patch one thing or they cover one thing up and, uh, and hackers or, or in this case, car thieves find another way in. And um, I think that, like, the biggest thing that I'm kind of telling people that, to stop this from affecting them is just, you know, the old faraday pouch like the thing mm -hmm. you put your keys in and it blocks yeah. the signal we've heard then, about wallets like that right for your cards would yeah. that be similar yeah and uh, i i love how you know where we had the things with rfid blockers in our wallets we now have the idea of 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 signal blockers for our key fobs and where um you know before wi-fi 6 came out it was again super easy to hack wi-fi but now they've kind of patched that a little bit so it's very, very comparable to a Wi-Fi attack because both are using radio frequency. Both have actually been patched and then re-attacked uh, very similarly in the past decade and plus. Um, so it's it's a very good comparison. And and it, you know, while these tools are being sold for an, an some crazy price online. Um, the actual technique isn't difficult and and the the hardware required to do this if you know what you're doing is very cheap it, it can be bought for about 20 bucks and really yeah and and that's that's that kind of speaks on how simple like i i go back again i used to always tell my clients about um, convenience over security. You're always kind of balancing the two. And the more convenience you get, you, the less security you get is usually the case. And the more security you have, the less convenience you have. And that's why people don't like two-factor authentication. <laughs> mm. Well, yeah, that creates its own problems with uh, when cell networks go down. We learned that one, but for the sake of uh, for the sake of talking about it further, though, this pouch. What's the idea? You put your keys in the pouch, and that's just where you store them in your purse or in your pocket. You don't just yeah. walk around with them, so people can't. Yeah. yeah, I know that a lot of people will, um, especially in apartment buildings. You hear this where you leave your keys at the front door, or you hang your you leave your keys in your pocket in your jacket at the front door. Well, take a wild guess. What's really easy to find on most houses. 
or apartments, the front door. So if you can get in and you can walk down through the course of the hallway or get up to the front door of the house, then you can have your little scanner machine and it reads what the key is doing or what it's got. And then it sort of copies that and pretends to be that. The basic idea of what it is. Oh, yeah. And I mean, all you have to do, if, if anyone's interested in actually seeing this happen, just go on YouTube and and search, you know, car relay attack. So just search car relay attack. And what it'll show you is a bunch of videos that have started to surface. And, and it's it's straight out of a like it looks like it's straight out of a movie. If you saw it on your security camera, you'd have no idea what's happening because the in one of these videos, a guy comes up to the house and he's got a big cable in his hands and he's stretching it over his head and holding it up way high. And so as to form a big square, like he's holding the cable stretched out arm's length. And this kind of creates an antenna. So they'll they'll move along the house with this big cable until they find the car fob or where it is on the other side. And that'll relay the signal and then the car unlocks, starts and drives away. And and so like you said, with the, the fob pouch, yeah, basic idea is just it cuts that, that signal off. It's um, similar to, I, I forget who it was, but he was a, a political figure recently and his car was actually stolen the exact same way and uh, he started putting his keys in the microwave. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, I'm not Don't about to tell on, everyone. Just to be clear. <laughs> yeah, I'm not about to tell everyone to put their keys in the microwave. But, you know, this is kind of similar to just wrapping it in tinfoil. If you've ever heard of, uh, like, I don't know, wrapping something in tinfoil to stop the signals, it, it, it yeah. does work. Like your head. <laughs> yeah. um, Okay, so before we're done here, Hank the Hacker, we're talking about cars and people stealing cars. Now, it turns out, and it doesn't take a hacker to figure this one out, that low-tech solutions really are the answer to high-tech problems, like you talked about with the phones in the very beginning of this conversation when you said that often resetting your computer or your phone is the number one be-all, end-all to be able to to get this. Offsite backups are so good for that when it comes to the basic documents, your pictures and so on. So that's a that's a great way to go. And it is a low tech solution that solves this car problem too with the pouch and what else? Oh, uh, get yourself a steering wheel lock. I know that sounds so old school. And every time I tell someone, right, like I've been telling a lot of people recently to buy them, but every time I'm telling them, you know, get a steering wheel lock, I think of my dad he used to always put a steering wheel lock on our pickup truck, on our van, you name it. It had a steering wheel lock. And now I just, you know, I, I, I appreciate why. And um, I, I think back to something that someone important to me that I used to work with told me. And he said, you know, Hank, when I moved out of the city, um, I was the only or I was the first person in my small little neighborhood that put up a fence. And he was like, what I what I realized is that not that I I was trying to point, you know, bad people to, to other other places, but this made him less of a target and, hmm. and it made people more willing to move on and go on to the next thing. So, you know, a steering wheel lock and a small Faraday pouch are small investments to make to protect 
the big investment, the vehicle, the car, um, and, and the, you know, the heartache of going through insurance and, and police and writing a report and trying to deal with all of that. Uh, they're small investments to make and they will stop these attacks from working. It's kind of crazy to think that that's where you go to find a solution to protect your automobile, to protect so much more, is the old school club back in the day. I mean, it sort of makes sense, though, when you think about it, that you you basically have to be the most inconvenient. So it doesn't really solve the problem in the big picture. It just means as long as other people are more convenient for them to steal then it works. That's kind of like the notion, you know, the joke when they say, um, how do you get away from a bear? Just run faster than your friend. Yeah. That's yeah. really kind of what you're talking about here. Um, put bacon in your friend's pocket. Um, and so you're basically looking to outrun the other cars on the street, if you will. And the bad guys will just take the other cars. Uh, thank you so much for being here, Hank. Appreciate the insight. Hey, thank you, Shane. And, and, you know, I hate to look at it that way, but hopefully soon these OEMs will catch up. But thanks for having me and thanks for listening, guys. This is the Shift Podcast. Are you? Are you? Are you? Okay. 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 Are you okay with... 877-399-9898. That's our phone number here on The Shift. Ryan O'Donnell is in downtown Calgary. I'm Shane Hewitt. I'm in Calgary on the north side, the city of Airdrie. And these stories that will make you ponder start like this. Are you okay with The Price is Right? The Price is Right? Oh, well, hold on. I grabbed a special little soundtrack here. Just for the Did song, you? okay, that we got to hit. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. Yeah. Come on down. You're the best one, guys. Hey, right. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> oh, the remix. Uh, I love the remix. Bad, eh? Nice. I, I feel like we should cut a rug here. Hey, get see your booty boogie on. Are you? Okay. <laughs> Are you okay with The Price is Right? Now, okay, so there we go. Um, we're all set. Getting on the show, watching the show, like what mm -hmm. a thrill to just go after all of these decades of amazing, just to sit in the crowd and do that. I wouldn't put that on a bucket list item. Getting on the show, now that's next level of a thrill. Imagine the excitement when you get the chance to win thousands of dollars or a new car. Henry was playing when he had a trip to Hawaii come up for grabs. Oh, I love it. And then he won. I'm ready. One, two, three, go! Higher, lower, lower, higher. Yes! Okay, as you can hear from that clip, he was pretty excited. One problem, though, he got too excited. How you doing? Uh, Henry was celebrating and going, and he dislocated his shoulder. I know. Uh, so he's not going to be able to spin the wheel, but Alice is going to spin the wheel for him. Good luck. Here we go. You want to say hi to somebody? Hi to my family, uh, my wife, my baby, CC at home, and all my friends watching. Thank you. How about... 95! Yeah! Don't hurt yourself. 
And <laughs> don't hurt yourself. Oh, man. He had to keep oh, his so arms cool. down. It's so funny, uh, the clip, because he raises only one arm when he celebrates, and the other one clearly is 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 clearly dislocated. Oh, that's so good. Uh, the yeah. show posted a clip to their Instagram of the event saying, he won a trip to Hawaii and the ER, which I happen to think is uh, worthy of this. <laughs> well done. He's going to have tan lines on his sling, but he will be happy about it. Uh, he's feeling all better now, by the way, and a good spin, too. I'm Shane Hewitt. It's The Shift. Are you okay with breaking news? We were just talking about breaking news, so let's do it. Breaking news. Yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, I think the first bit of breaking news I ever had to work was a train derailment in uh, in Alberta. I remember, and I was alone in the newsroom when it happened. It was the most mm -hmm. terrifying slash exhilarating thing ever. And I think for like a young journalist, you know, that's what you're trained for. And then when you're just someone consuming the news, it's, uh, well, even just with like the thing that happened in Russia, like I was constantly just refreshing global news and CNN and all these sites to see if there was any updates and Twitter right. and all that. Cause you have to know the newest thing. That's the newest thing. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think that we overdo breaking news. I well, think the do, new definitely. news, it's like breaking news. We've got breaking news, right? Like it's, it's become breaking news on breaking news. Uh, but it seems to work. You go to, you know, I, maybe actually it's subs subsided a little bit. The, the use of the breaking news thing, but breaking news has become more of a, topic header than an actual breaking news thing but exactly. when we do it here on the shift we try to do it in a way that you know we actually important stories matter and this is happening right now and you need to know that's really what it boils down to people get glued to the tvs though when it happens this also happened in la last week with a truly compelling story a dog was stuck in a tunnel and it needed help he is small alone trapped in a dirty dark space after slipping down into a storm drain Neighbors in Avocado Heights first spotted him on Bell Green Drive. They hadn't seen him here before. Initially running around? Yeah, we were trying to get him out from under that uh, red Suzuki over there. So he was hiding under a car? Yeah. And in fact, tried to uh, snap when came close to getting a hold of him. Clearly, he was frightened and unsure of their intentions. So he bolted and found an escape his tiny frame small enough to slip through the opening along the curb. Witnesses immediately called for help, and L.A. County firefighters, including an urban search and rescue team, answered that call. They knew this was a matter of life and death, but they did not know the rescue mission would be challenging and last a couple of hours. We tried food, we tried water, tried to like sweet talk him. He was scared and every time we tried to grab him, he'd run back in the tunnel. And so we were able to um, just able to grab him and pull him back out. Uh, that was from KTLA, by the way. I feel like that's what my dog would do. She'd run away, she'd run in, grab a treat and run out. Um, mm -hmm. The pooch was stuck down there for several hours, needed some food. Luckily, people were able to drop some down to the pooch. The food he enjoyed while down the drain was five hot dogs and three slices of bacon, courtesy of the neighbors. It's cool for the dog, huh? <laughs> <laughs> the guy sounds like he's jealous that the dog he does, right? I don't get no bacon. And three strips of bacon. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the 12 pound mixed breed black dog appeared to be older, and although wearing a collar, there was no tag. The dog appeared to be in good health. Crews provided the pooch with plenty of water. 
If no owner comes forward with 10 to 15 days, he'll be available for public adoption. And uh, you better be ready to uh, provide some wieners and bacon. Got to keep up the hype. Got a hanger in for it now. Thanks for listening to the Shift Podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the show and share with anyone you like. Get it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and CuriousCast.ca.